0: Hi everyone, I'm glad you're here. In today's conversation, I spoke with former Navy SEAL, a best-selling author, and someone who has pushed the boundaries of life while also daring to look inward. Through gentleness, he has healed and taken ownership of all aspects of his life. He's an incredibly good storyteller, and I'm convinced that everyone listening can learn valuable lessons. Get to know your blueprint with Oleolitan. Ollie, I'm very happy to talk to you today. Um, we're at the Biohack Summit. Yeah. Well, actually not right now, but uh, yep. we're speaking tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, biohacking is like um, not because of the health aspect, but more about personal leadership. Mm. Um, it's, it's not about getting the best supplements or, mm. um, of course, doing your breathing right, but it's yeah. more about understanding and taking control over those yeah. processes in your body. Yeah. And, um, of course, it is very interesting to talk with you mm. because uh, talking about personal leadership, you have been at the most dangerous places on earth mm. and you're still here. Um, which is good. Which is very <laughs> good. Yeah, very happy to be here. For me, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And you have not only be, been on, on the hard side, like mm. being... being in action, but you also did the healing part. Mm. And you're also very, um, um, what is the Dutch word of the English word? Um, engaged with society. Yeah. Uh, that's what I, at, le- at least how I mm. interpret it. So, very happy to have you. Mm. If we could introduce you a little bit. Yeah. How would you introduce yourself to the yep. audience that doesn't know you yet?
1: Yeah. Ollie Ollerton. I'm a former UK Special Forces soldier. I came from the shadows into the spotlight in 2015 with a very popular show in the UK called SAS Who Winds. Wins. Um, that now has been going on since 2015. I'm no longer part of SAS Who Winds UK, but I am filming SAS Australia. Uh, which is very much the same version of the show. So basically, um, I don't like saying the word because it's not what I'm all about, but I'm a celebrity, for want of a better word. Um, And I have a company, which has always been my dream, even before I got the exposure, which is called Breakpoint. Breakpoint's mission is to create a globally identified brand recognized for the positive growth and development of others. And I just want to go back to that statement you said about the biohackers thing, because I think that's really important. You know, it's at the end of the day, it is the ability for people to, to make their own choices yeah. in a world of misinformation, bad education and all sorts of stuff, you know, for, you know, I, I, I come up with this question, right? You, you think about this. If humanity was on its true path, there would be you no know, biohackers. Mm hmm exactly there would be no, there would be no convention there be mm-hmm. this movement wouldn't be happening but we are not on our true path and people know there's a better way people know there's something different there's an, a, a different way to look after ourselves yeah and for me you know a lot of stuff i talk about i talk about which i think ties in i don't consider myself a biohacker mm-hmm. per se but i do believe in getting to the source code of humanity of who we are and a lot of the things i talk about is the fact of us really starting to embrace the fact that we our ancestry for a start, you know, that I'm all coding mm-hmm. because regardless of however you look at life, mm-hmm. there's no stronger driving force in each and every one of us than our survival blueprint. Mm-hmm. You know, our survival blueprint is so strong, you know, that's the thing that's kept humanity alive and you know, it's, it's the strongest driving force in each and every person on this planet. Yeah. Technology is flying past us at a massive rate of knots, but we are still of that primal coding. Evolution takes a long, long time, mm-hmm. but we are programmed. We—it's we, like a computer. It comes with a standard program when it's first delivered, and that's what we have. We before we are programmed from an early age, we had that standard program, which is our survival blueprint. And that's that's the driving force in each and every one of us. So really, everything I talk about is getting back and appreciating that, having empathy for that, and working with it as opposed to uh, you know um, it working against you. Mm -hmm.
0: When you talk about uh, what you just said, uh, Mm. having on our True Path Society and and your blueprint, um, from what I've read, Mm. you had a very tough childhood, and how do you get back? well not maybe not getting back but how do you find that blueprint mm. that that path where where you started maybe it's good to uh, um, give a little context about about your you yeah no
1: absolutely i i, I think we'll start there I and mean, we'll move on to that because it's something it's it's an ongoing project mm-hmm. um but for me you know i was 10 years old um and i heard the circus was in town um Got my brother and his best friend. We went down there so excited. It was 1980. Mm -hmm. The circus was exciting back then. I don't know if it is anymore, Yeah, (laughs) but it was. Um, And we got down there, said, you know, they were just setting up. We asked if we could have a look around. Uh, We went into the big top, you know, nothing amazing there for me. But then I was drawn to the other side of the the canvas where there was a split. You could just see the sunlight coming through the split of the canvas. And I was compelled. I was an inquisitive 10-year-old boy. And I found myself over there on my own and I pulled the canvas to one side. The sun hit me straight in the eye, blurred my vision. But when my vision cleared, I saw something in front of me. that was far greater than the circus. And that was a baby chimp. Wow. Now for me, you know, that was amazing. You know, I was brought up with cats and dogs, but for me to see a baby chimp, and I was also infatuated with a program I used to watch religiously. I'd watched it that day and that was Tarzan. Hmm. So for me to see that, it was a little piece of Hollywood. It was like amazing. You know, that was Tarzan's sidekick, Cheetah. And uh, I was compelled, you know, I went up, moved, moved cautiously towards this creature. And then before I knew it, I was over it. And there was a moment, you know, it looked at me with these big, beautiful eyes. It was like, it was an incredible moment. I will never forget. And then it started to pick food off the floor and pass it to me. And it was feeding me. This thing's feeding me now. And I'm like this baby. David Attenborough. Do you know who that um, is? Yeah, 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 Of course you do, yeah. Everyone knows who David Attenborough mm. is. But I was, I was like this baby David Attenborough in this moment. It was like incredible. I wasn't going to eat the food because that's disgusting, but yeah. I wasn't going to break the serenity at that moment. And I was just sliding the food over my, past the cheek, throwing it over my shoulder, taking it again. taking it. it was it was a moment that was timeless. Time stood still. You felt it was, calm. You felt calm. It was like the, the, the serenity of the moment was incredible. Mm. And it was probably going on for maybe 30, I don't know, a short amount of time, but it seemed like a lifetime. But then the serenity of that moment was broken. It was almost like, you know, the the ferocity of a um, fighter jet cutting through the sky. As I heard a roar that I can still hear to this day. And that was either mummy or daddy um, in the shadows behind that was not happy that I was there as a threat to its young. And the shadows underneath this trailer turned into what was clearly my or daddy, about a 50 kilogram. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to weigh it, but it was big. <laughs> and it was heading to me at Mach 10. And that was another moment for me where I just I just couldn't move. You know, I was like a deer in the headlights. My feet were glued firm to the floor, couldn't move. I was frozen. This thing is going crazy coming at me. And just at that moment, I, I thought I had enough carries just to move. This thing pounced through the air over the baby chimp in front of me. The blue sky turned to black as it pinned me to, the, hit me on the chest, pinned me to the floor was basically on top of me. And then it started going about me. You know, the first fist came down, knocked everything out of me. I had nothing left. And then fist after fist after fist. And it was like a drummer in a rock band. That mm. was the drum. Yeah. And my life flashed in front of me and it didn't take long. I was 10. So, uh, but in that moment I knew I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Blood started flying around everywhere. It's obviously not the chimp's blood. It was my blood. And I could feel um, the flesh being torn from my arms. Now, in that moment, and everything's happening so quick, I knew I was going to die. But then something happened, something amazing, and that was I went somewhere I never knew existed. I found this inner strength, this inner power, like I say, I never knew it was there. I'd never been exposed to it. But it was that inner strength, that inner power that then made me react. I heard this voice that said, it doesn't end today. And that was that moment that I retaliated. I managed to wrestle the chimp off enough to get my leg up or my knee up to my chest. I smashed it out as hard as possible into the chimp's chest, knocked it to the floor. That was my moment to escape. And I was scurrying across the Lord, as fast as possible. And then I looked up and realized I wasn't going fast enough. I'd ran out of energy and this chimp was angrier than ever. And it was the scariest moment because it was coming at me now on its final attack. And just as it got to me, it was about an inch from my nose before the chain caught it. And if it wasn't for that chain, I wouldn't be here today. Um, and that um, moment in my life You know, I've only really started to reflect on what I learned in that moment only by looking back on my life and the things that happened in my life, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not there as a 10-year-old going, you know, I've learned this. and that. It's just a horrendous thing that happened to me. And what we do, I believe we've got this uh, innate protection system that allows us to lock away the intimate trauma. And I believe that's a good thing because it helps us get through the short term. Mm -hmm. But you can't leave it. And that's what we do. Yeah. Um. And a lot of the time, you know, I think, you know, just where we're talking on trauma there, because I think it's really important because a lot of people go through traumatic events. Um, you're trying to be the person you wor- were before the trauma. You're not that person anymore. And the more you fight to be something you're not, the more frustrated mm-hmm. and the more in conflict with you yourself you're going to be. And mm-hmm. that was really me. But it taught me, you know, there's positives and negatives for that because that inner strength that I did find that day was the one thing that would get me through special forces selection. It's the one thing that I drew on when I went through some major mental health issues. And I I, I got back, I I came back from the the touches of suicide through my own um, sort of my own um, motivation and energy to do so. and I, I believe it was that inner strength that I learned on that day which has helped me a number of occasions throughout my life. Um, Now, it also taught me something else that regardless of what your situation is, we always have a choice. Always. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how bad it is. And even if you can't see the road out, and sometimes it looks like the path of least resistance is the, the only option, which can sometimes mean something like suicide. It's not, it's not the case. It's not the case. Um, there is always an option. And you just have to keep on moving forward. You have to keep and have that visualization of where you want to be and really just keep that focused as the dominant thoughts in your mind. The negative side of what happened to me there, and this is, again, on reflection. And a lot of these things I think about have only just come become apparent in the last couple of years. Really? Like like in the last week, I've come up with something new. And I think this is the amazing thing because the more I learn about the mind, the older I get. And I'm always constantly discovering things you know um, studying stuff and everything else and it's helping me to unravel the past and that unraveling of the past is then helping me with the future so it's an incredible thing and the thing is a lot of people say oh you know when something bad happens to them in their life i just want to forget it no don't forget it there's a lesson and you don't those things you should never forget you've got to take you know, and there's a lot of people going through stuff. I make sure every event that I go through that I always analyze it to make sure what, what, what have I learned from this experience? What was it there for? What did it teach me? The negative side of that was the fact that, um, and this is really, again, on ref- this is this year that I reflected on. This is the fact that what happened on that day, I was going to the most amazing place. I was so excited, so joyful saw this creature that was like God to me. It was the most amazing thing ever. Then all of a sudden smash chaos reigned and the whole thing just collapsed. And when I look at my life now, that's how I treated everything. All the, yeah, all the good things that happened in my life. As soon as I did something good and it was in a good place and stability and everything else, I would get the grenade, pull out the pin,
0: so you sabotaged
1: you yourself? Sabotaged everything. Interesting. Everything. My military career. Mm-hmm. Everything. The whole lot. Did My relationships. Saw,
0: yeah. Did you sabotage your military career? Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And it, no, I was like, like, I just lived in conflict.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I'll talk about this more, you know, when I talk about what I did in 2019 when I went yeah. to Costa Rica. But mm-hmm. because there's a, there's a really a, a, a amazing message that I got from that. But, um, you know, it, that was, when I look back, it was, you know, when I, I take it back mm-hmm. because the subconscious mind, you get programmed from zero to seven years. There's a reason the Jesuits, mm-hmm. um, teach their following or have done for the last 400 years. Give me a boy until he is seven. I will show you the man. It's that first seven years where you are on record. You don't have an analytical mind. Mm-hmm. So everything around you in your environment, you are taking in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is the thing. It's like, you know, a lot of people say, how can we, how can we, um, you know, really help our kids? And I'm like, be the example of what you want them to be because they're learning from you all yeah. the time, especially in those first seven years. And a lot of the time you think they're only baby, they're only a kid. They don't understand. But you know, it's like that when parents don't love each other and all this and arguing and and, and I've been there, I've been that parent. Mm-hmm. You know, and you think they're not going to, but they are, they're, they're absorbing that. Yeah. And all of us as adults are working from those first seven years. That's our program.
0: It, it, it makes sense because they say, th- they observe, they do not listen. Mm. And, but how do yeah. you rhyme that with, with the fact that you, I wrote, I read that you, um, do not remember a lot of things before mm. your tenth age, right?
1: Yeah. I don't remember anything before I was
0: 10 exactly so
1: but i don't need to because i look at my life now and that's the programming i got yeah. and some of it's positive some of it's negative but the mm-hmm. thing is you know it's like to try and rewrite that and the thing at the point i was getting to there is the fact that i was 10 mm-hmm. okay so i've passed that seven years record but there's something else that can influence the subconscious mind and that is a highly impactful emotional event what happens in that moment is when you have that highly impactful emotional event, and that can be a good thing as well, that can be the fact you get married to the person you've loved forever or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or it can be something terrible that's happened, your brain takes a snapshot mm-hmm. and that then becomes your long-term memory because it adds that snapshot with an emotion. And that becomes your long-term memory. Yeah. So really that, that for me was the fact that I'd done that program to seven years, but then that highly emotional, impactful thing at 10 years old, you know, that, that would be then the blueprint of yeah. everything. And and I don't know, maybe someone would tear that apart and say, well, that's not right. I, I, I truly believe yeah. my perspective that it, it just makes sense to me because yeah. I did some amazing things and I just ruined everything. And, and I'm not just talking, you know my relationships with, with with various girlfriends and stuff, everything. You know, it was, and I've talked to other lads, and then you know, I then went into the military, into the special forces, and I did went to probably the worst place because they train you to be a comfort in chaos. Yeah, you know what I mean. That job, yeah. their job is to train you to be a comfort, so they really just no, just true. exploited what mm-hmm. was already going on for me. Mm-hmm. So really, the, the the war started for me when I left.
0: Wow, that's beautifully said. Yeah. What are some uh what 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 is the biggest impact on being in the military for you? Um
1: the biggest impact for me to be quite honest, you know, at 14 years old I it's quite interesting because at, at 10 years old the chimp happened. At 10 years old I saw on television the SAS storm the Iranian embassy. Mm. Big year for me. Mm-hmm. And that, and the chimp, um, or or more so, the the Iranian embassy was the one thing that planted the seed in my head. I saw that and I was like, oh my God, I wanted that. I wanted that. Um, What was it? attracted you to it it was i don't know it's just i just saw these men in black just storming this building and like there were you know and i can remember margaret thatcher at the time she was the prime minister of uh of the uk at the time oh, it was yeah. incredible because usually when you do something like that they will actually cover the front of the building so that no one can see
2: mm-hmm.
1: but she actually said i don't want any covers going up on that building because i want the world to see how good our sas are powerful and you know it was powerful because it it got my attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. And that would have a ripple effect, you know, later on through my life. But really the point I'm getting to is the fact I then came up with this dream and this vision. Yeah. And it wasn't really about joining the special forces because I just thought that was unachievable. Mm-hmm. You know, I just knew that these guys, you know, in my head, these guys were carved from marble on another planet and brought to, mm-hmm. brought to earth. You know, they were these super gods. Yeah. Um, And for me, you know, I was like, I wanted to join the military. I was like, what's the hardest military? I found out, you know, and some people could argue this, but the Royal Marine Commandos, that was the hardest, you know, sort of infantry soldiers out there. So I wanted to be part of that, you know, and that was me. But I joined, you know, I got in when I was 18 years old and I was so disappointed. And I really do believe because I had that dream since 14, I built such an image in my head of mm-hmm the perception, you know, and this is the thing, perception and reality is so far removed. It could
0: only disappoint.
1: In yeah, reality. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is the one thing that then pushed me for special Forces, Cause I was like, this is rubbish. This is not, you know, this is not what I joined for. Yeah. And I think that's still that in the back of my mind, in the subconscious was that a vision of that building that day. And you know, mm-hmm. that I saw on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I then kept pushing and pushing and pushing and, then got into the special forces, which was the drama in itself. You know, it like, it's like, it's interesting when I look back, I mean, I always say this, look, hindsight is a wonderful thing, mm. but it didn't win any wars. <laughs> it's good for reflection, but it didn't win any wars. You know, you can't change the past, good one. but you can also, you, you can use it to, as a, as a roadmap for the future. But for me, it's like, um, you know, I, I, I then got into the special forces and, the problems I had getting into the special forces was quite insane. And when I look back now and I understand about the universe and everything else, mm-hmm. it was telling me it wasn't the right path for me.
0: That's an interesting insight. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get into that. Later yeah. But the, I mean, there's a,
1: there's a lot around this, you know, but uh-huh. it's very interesting because I do believe like in our, in our lives, we have a purpose, you know, mm-hmm. the thing is for me, like at 18 years old, I didn't, I, that wasn't even in
0: my vocab. I, I you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I didn't even know what that meant um were you um in some way already aware of some stuff or was it no. totally tunnel vision performing performing is, is a big word but yeah yeah
1: i, I had no real let say that you know i was i was kind of brought up around a bit of alternative thinking you know my, mm-hmm. my 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 auntie would go to psychics and stuff like that yeah. i actually went as well mm-hmm. which was really interesting actually because my me and my brother went only young. I was, I can't remember. It must have been 13, 14, or maybe 15, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting because they actually said that um, you were spending a lot of time in the Middle East. You know, at 15, I had obviously no idea what, no. what that was. And they said about my brother, they could see him behind the controls of an aircraft. Mm-hmm. He's now, he's a helicopter pilot. Wow. So, I mean, that, you know, that side of it for me, I, I definitely wasn't a skeptic, mm-hmm. but I didn't really believe how in depth and how powerful, you know, we, at the end of the day, you know, the way I am now, and I strongly believe this, we are spiritual beings have a, having a human experience. So, you know, that certainly definitely was not in my language back then. And certainly if you'd have said that in front of the lads, <laughs> no, no, that, that no, would not work. God, I'd have lasted five minutes. <laughs> so really the point, yeah. The point was that like, the biggest thing for me with the military is the fact it was almost like once I'd done it, I wasn't challenged anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, it was almost like a tick box. It was like, I've done that now. And it was almost, it was almost like I, I loved I love the competition. I love beating other people. And I don't think that's a great thing, but, um, you know, that's, I just love that. So I have a competition being on selection. You
0: still
1: have that? No, no, okay, not not anymore. no, 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 yeah. yeah, a lot of that's ego, isn't it? And that yeah, so. subdues the, yeah. the older you get. Thank God. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting time for me because as crazy as the special forces is the safest time in my life when i was in the special forces was it yeah safe in w- w- safe way. in the respect that i had people around me to keep me in check hmm. do you know what i mean it's yeah. like the mayhem for me was when i was left to my own devices like leading up to that i obviously had my family around me you know was, mm-hmm. but still i pushed the boundaries there big time yeah um, but then I le- when i left you know i was under my own Supervision. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that was not a good thing. That's when the war started. And that's when the war started. But the thing is, again, with this, I, I've analyzed this time and time again. It's the fact that I, as a kid from that young age, 10 years old, and I know I was very different. I came from a decent family. Um, We weren't super wealthy, but we weren't poor. You know, it's like we sort of middle of the road mm-hmm. family. and I know I'm very different to my, my brother and sister. And I put it down to that experience as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I I just went off the rails, absolutely went off the rails. And I was just, I was looking for war everywhere I could find it. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was a natural thing for me to join the military, Mm -hmm. you know. And all this time in my life, I was, I was, I wanted to go to war. And it was like, when I, I, when I first, and that has definitely gone now. Mm -hmm. Um, When I first joined the Royal Marines, I realized I came back from Iraq, Operation Desert Storm, and I realized there wasn't going to be, I wanted to be there all the time. I wanted to be doing that all the time, Mm -hmm. back in Iraq back in a war zone, wherever it was. Yeah. I know I wasn't going to get that. And that's what pushed me to go for the special forces. And I went to the special forces and to be quite honest as well, it wasn't around the time where it was like massively active, mm-hmm. you know, the, the recent times that they are so active now yeah. because of current events mm-hmm. and it wasn't massively active. So again, I was so disappointed with that. You know, we did odd jobs came in now and then and stuff. We did some great stuff, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. And then that would go on for years and years afterwards. You know, I found myself back in a war zone afterwards as a contractor, mm-hmm. you know, back there again. And then it took me some time to realize until I crashed and burned and then started thinking about suicide, I realized the war wasn't out there. It was inside. It was inside. And this is where humanity has got it all wrong because we think that the, the, the key to changing everything in our life, the key to happiness, the key to everything is mm-hmm. external. Yeah. And I now understand, and it's just, even even if you are a skeptic, you've got to appreciate this, that you can't change anything on your external world until yeah. you change the energy of who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people, it's like let's relationships, because that's generic, everyone understands that. Yeah, You know, it's like saying, well, I'm going to, you know, this, this relationship's a load of rubbish, I'm going to ditch yep. that one and get yep. a new one. Mm-hmm. And then all that happens, these people go to another relationship, and yeah, you've got the honeymoon period, couple of weeks, month maybe. Same pattern. And then before you know it, same pattern, yeah. And then the same old baggage comes along, and you end up with the same situation. It's the same with a new job. It's the same with people like I want to start a business, or they go and get yeah. a loan, you know. But if you don't change who you are from the core of who you are, nothing out there changes. And yeah, I so agree. you know, and that that for me was you know when I started thinking about suicide, and I was like really pushed into that corner. I was on the back end of some absolute bizarre, not bizarre, but absolute um destructive behavior abuse Mm -hmm. i call it abuse Mm -hmm. you know drugs drink alcohol um and it was starting to think about suicide and it pushed me into a corner because i was like i had nowhere else to turn it was like i was like the you know i started thinking i never attempted suicide but the fact i was there it was like my the fact i'm thinking about it on a regular basis Mm -hmm. you know it was like my head went what what are you doing Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking about this too much, and the yeah. more you think about, you know, what I mean, the bigger it becomes. Yeah, definitely.
0: What when you talk about suicide, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, a pivotal moment afterwards, what I find so interesting is even in my life or mm-hmm. people around me, um, you see them going through a phase of of maybe it, maybe it's suffering, mm. um, but what is it in that phase that turns around at one point because it it can take a long time for a lot of people, including myself for some things. Mm. Um, and I find it so interesting that it it is, it takes an experience to get out of that pattern. Yeah. Because I can, I I could have told you at Mm. that moment, you should behave differently, Mm. but you wouldn't change. Right. No. Um, all of the people in the world could have told you. Yeah. And and, and including me to my behavior, Mm. but What is it that we cannot get out of that Mm. during those periods in our lives?
1: The fact of the matter is this is where that programming comes in Mm -hmm. because we are 95% of that program. Mm -hmm. We've only got 5% of our creative mind Mm -hmm. at any time. So you understand that like this is, you know, for me, I was in that repeat habit loop and this is why we, you know, I spoke to you before we started this podcast about the survival blueprint. Now, the survival blueprint is the strongest driving force in each and any one of us on this planet. Same, um, same with any species or organism on this planet, you know, that you, I mean, you try and kill bacteria. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's not just a case of, just, you know, it's just to eradicate It It pops up, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's drive for survival and we're the same. We're exactly the same. It's the same with the plants. you know? Yeah. Anything. Now, there's a few principles around that survival blueprint, and this is the fact that our brains were built for, for survival, not success. Not how many followers you've got on social media, not the house you've got, not the girlfriend you've got, not how much money you've got in the bank. It's your desire for survival. And with that, and this is what I, this is, I, I sat there studying this stuff because I just could not understand. So I've got these problems. I keep doing this behavior. So just stop. It's so easy, isn't it? Just stop. Yeah. I mean if someone said if you went to someone they go A plus B equals C, do C. Quite easy,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's not just because yeah. it's simple doesn't make it easy because we are, we are caught in this repeat habit loop. Mm-hmm. And that basically means that when it comes to survival, your mind wants to do what it did yesterday and the day before that and the day before that, because as far as your mind is concerned, it's kept you alive until today. It doesn't care mm-hmm. if it's a good situation or a bad situation. It wants to keep you in a repeat habit loop. It wants to go where it's familiar. Yeah. So if you built up, habits over a period of time, mm-hmm. you know, and the facts of me drinking, you know, I didn't have a drinking problem. I had a problem that caused me to drink. And that, that's it the bottom line, you know, and w- what we do is kids, you know, when you first start drinking, you're, you drink because you're trying to mask something. Yeah, You know, for me, I was renting a personality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what we do as kids. You know, like, you go out to meet girls, God, I need to drink. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, and, and then throughout my life, every interaction with a girl was surrounded by drink you know every, every like intimacy yeah. everything it had to be drunk mm-hmm. you know and it was it's so corrosive but you don't have a drinking problem you have a problem that's causing you to drink yeah but that pattern of behavior you know over a period of time you know the, the 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 third thing that influences the subconscious mind is 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 practice repeat you know so if you're doing a habit you know it's like drinking 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 going out need to drink meeting someone else and mates need a drink you know if you're doing that that becomes part of your behavior so at the end of the day we can think in our frontal cortex right i'm going to change this needs to stop but that's only five percent and you can have that sort of motivation to change but your brain gets tired and before you know it, the 95 percent is taken over and becomes you are then running the program again yeah so, really, when it comes to that blueprint, you know, that survival blueprint, it's just appreciating that, that habit loop. This is why my business is called Breakpoint. And th- my first Breakpoint was a chimp, mm-hmm. and that was stepping into the short-term discomfort for long-term gain. And I believe, you know, and that to me was, you know, retaliating to a chimp at 10 years old. Yeah, You'd have asked me days before, mm-hmm. you're going to have a fight with the chimp. <laughs> I, You know, I'd have run for the hills, (laughs) kept on running. Um, But um, yeah, it's it's, it's stepping into the short-term discomfort. And this is what we have to do. We have to embrace that discomfort and understand that providing we keep moving forward and keep pushing towards the goal, understanding it's going to be uncomfortable, we're not going to like it, the brain's going to be resistant to change, Mm -hmm. that pain, that discomfort will become temporary. But the place you're going to has to be motivational enough. You have to be passionate about it and it has to have a strong why. And if you haven't got a strong why, it's not going to put up with the discomfort of change. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So if you have a strong why, then the how, and we've heard everyone, you know, a lot of motivational stuff out there, the how becomes easy yeah you know but it's it's just really defining what that why is and making sure that it's about you and it's not there just to impress the audience you know a lot of people are doing stuff and they're mm-hmm. compromising their own sort of mental health and everything else just to please the audience and you know this is this is a, a, a big reflection of mine when i actually did ayahuasca you know that how much time and energy we put into pleasing the audience this was a massive reflection for me especially as that period i'd just broken into this sort of celebrity status where Mm. you know and i was i was reflecting on how much energy we put into creating this persona of someone to please the audience
0: i can imagine having such a childhood Mm. and also been in the military and then gaining celebrity status that that could magnify all the good and the bad things Mm. right all the damages uh, right yourself I could imagine. I can imagine that it must be very difficult. Yeah. Um. So you came at a point where you um, wanted to commit suicide. Yeah. Um. Of course, I read your book. But what was in the anti-breakpoint mm. where you thought this is not it?
1: Well, for me, it was like you know, I I do hear this voice, and that's your, you know, that's that is the real you. And that real you, I heard that, you know, I heard that voice when I was a kid saying, it doesn't end today. You know, I've heard that voice a few times, you know, when it, you really are pushed into a corner, mm-hmm. when your ego is nowhere to be seen mm-hmm. and you really sp- I hear the voice from within. And that voice for me, was like, when I started thinking about it, I'm like, what are you talking about? And I heard again, it doesn't, it doesn't end like this. There's something more for you. I kept hearing that. There's something more for you. This is not how the story ends. And that was, for me, it's like, that was the turning point because I went, you know what, you're right. And I knew, I could see how destructive my patterns had become. And I knew, you know, it's just a case. I need to change it up because I was, I was in conflict. It wasn't like, you know, at some one point I used to go out and enjoy it. I got to the point, it was such, every time I drank it, I was in conflict. I used to go out, I was thinking about that today because it's quite interesting, right? Because I, I, I used to be one of these people, but I got to the airport in the UK today. Mm-hmm. And I got in for half past four in the morning, and I got into the airport and it's just full of people with pints of lager mm-hmm. at, at half past four in the morning. <laughs> and I, it's funny because I used to be one, you know, I'd be the first there, go, yeah. oh, let's go beer, you know, on holiday. Yeah. And I just I just looked and I thought this is terrible. Everyone. Yeah. Everywhere I looked, everyone had a yeah. pint of lager or a drink or whatever. And I was just thinking, you know, when you go on holiday, it's like that's your free will, isn't it? So you act. How you would act if you have no commitments? Because when you are yeah. on holiday, you don't have commitments. Mm-hmm. So, is this what the general population look to do when they've got nothing else that has a priority over their lives? And it's quite concerning. It's, quite, it's really concerning that the amount of alcohol abuse. But that's just part of the programming. Yeah, yeah. You know, so really, for me, you know, going back to going back to the point, you know, I heard that voice. Um, you know, it doesn't end like this. And it was at that point I said, right, this, this has to stop. Mm-hmm. And this was a break point for me. This is where I said, I am sick and tired of me being a repeat pattern of the past. You know, I was just repeating behaviors yeah. from the past. And this again is what humanity is trapped in. We're using the past as the blueprint for the future. And when you're doing that, because you've got nothing bigger that's pulling you through, your life becomes very dull. It's not challenging at all, and you are just a carbon copy of yesterday.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know,
1: and that's where we are, and that that really, I feel, you know, when it comes, I don't feel, I, I know that the way humanity is, we are being pulled into this. They want us to live in that survival instinct. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're in that survival instinct, let me say a few things happen. I know this obviously from being attacked at ten mm-hmm. by a ch- by a chim, but. A load of stuff happens physiologically to the body. Yeah. Like, for instance, like your blood goes away from all the vital organs and goes to the, to the limbs where it's needed. Cause that's what, you know, you need to escape. Um, cortisol enters the system and that's your fight or flight response. The blood goes from the forebrain to the back of the brain so that you lack creative thought and you follow instinct. Now, something pe- I ask, a lot of people, that's how you're walking around each and every day. Yeah. You know what? You, when you see a wildlife program, you see the gazelle, right? It's And it's, you know, there and it's in the, in the paddock, not paddock or whatever, you know, in the open and it's like grazing, beautiful hot day and the lion's stalking up. Then the gazelle gets a sniff. Gazelle goes, boom, off, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mac 10, lion's worn out, stops chasing. Then just over the top of the hill, the gazelle's there just eating away again. It's taken its stress response. It's used it in that time it's needed and then switched it off. Humans can't do that. That's the point. We hold that stress response by thought alone. You know what I mean? We can switch off because our mind is so complex. We can turn on that stress response just by thought alone. Now we've got nothing chasing us like saber tooth tiger or anything like that mm-hmm. anymore, but we have got so many different threats or what we perceive as threats. And that's them being shoved down our throats from the media, from newspapers, everything, because there's two things that will grab our attention when it comes to our survival instinct, fear and sex. Yeah. They're the two things that will dominate over anything that you're doing. Fear mm-hmm. will grab your attention. Sex will grab your attention. So creation and death we are the only organism on this planet that knows it's going to die and that is used against us
0: yeah that's definitely used against us um before we uh dive into how you manage all this what you just talked about um i was wondering because you talked about your voice uh back then when you were 10 and later on um how how i always see it i'm curious Mm. if you feel the same um, I'm sure you do because we we both did ayahuasca. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, what? I, how I see it is, you have certain thoughts, and beneath that is your consciousness, of how, however you want to call mm. it, right? And um, how do you manage in this this society mm. to, and, and more specific at that breakpoint, how do you manage to reach that? Mm. That lower voice, because I remember when you um, uh, th- uh, spoke about that voice, uh, I remember the shift in my consciousness when I did ayahuasca. Mm. Is uh, of course I recognized my thoughts, yeah. But after that ceremony, I uh, felt a different voice, yeah. Like some something was whispering, mm. and I felt the difference between a thought and that that. Other voice, yeah. Um, but I also have days that I cannot reach that voice because mm-hmm. I'm too much in my thoughts, like that yeah. fight or flight in, yeah in response. How do you reach in that breaking point? How do you reach that 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 actual voice you have to yeah. listen to?
1: Yeah, I think I, that is that is the battle because yeah. we've got so much going on around us. And I think, do you agree with this that like when you come out of the the ayahuasca experience? Mm-hmm you feel extremely empowered. It's incre- obviously incredible, but as soon as you then move back into society, that gets diluted.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's mean? like yeah. closing up. Like okay. The doors closing,
1: yeah. the doors closing. Yeah. And I think really at the end of the day, you know, it's not like I sit here like some kind of, you know, I, I haven't got all the answers, but you know, I hear a lot of stuff about, you know, that you shouldn't be having this constant voice. You know, I do have the constant voice, mm-hmm. but apparently, and you know, I don't know how true or if people believe, but the, 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 the what we should be striving for is no voice,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and we should be, I think at the end, you know, it should be, we're speaking from the heart, mm-hmm. everything we want to do, but easier said than done again, mm-hmm. you know, because you've got so much going on and society wants us to be consumed. You know, it wants us to be scared. It wants us to be uh, in fear. Because that's how we can be controlled. You know, people in fear, in, in a state of stress, and no, li- no organism can live in a state of, an emerg- a state of emergency mm-hmm. for an extended period of time mm-hmm. without getting some level of dis-ease within the body. You know, it's, that's the fact. So yeah. I believe it's intentional some people might disagree. I believe it's intentional Mm -hmm. because they don't want us living too long, et cetera, et cetera. And they want us to, you know, they want, you know, and and people being ill health is Mm -hmm. creates revenue and stuff like that. We won't go down that rabbit hole though. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is at the end of the day, the the answer to that question is the fact that we really need to, to, you know, we are constantly fearing about the future and regret in the past. Mm -hmm. And we rarely just sit in the moment and just allow to be, Yes. As in that moment Mm -hmm. or allowed to be what is in that Mm -hmm. moment. And it's really, you know, this takes a lot of practice and, you know, every, every now and then, you know, I, I can, I can hear myself saying just center, center. You know, I think a lot of the breath as well, the breath work, there's so much, so many advances and so much recognition towards breath. And I just think it's, I mean, it's common sense, isn't it? You know, this is a hidden, hidden art of, that A lot of people forget- don't know how to do properly, and this is, this again is like when you're when you get stressed, you know cortisol starts to rise. The reason that happens is you're going to a stressful situation, your breathing becomes erratic, and that basically is switching on your parasympathetic nervous system, and you um, it's putting you into a fight, flight, or freeze. Now some people are, are walking around like that. Mm-hmm. And that's only influencing a lot of people. You just got to turn your phone on and in the morning, you know, the first thing to come on a news app. Just right. So the one thing I'll say about that is first of all, don't, ha- don't allow that to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I don't buy a newspaper. I don't watch the news. I'd have to be dead to not know what's going on in this world. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? I mean, you you can see you, you've got all the social media channels yeah. and everything. everything. Yeah. But the thing is I choose not to have it belt fed down my throat on a constant basis. You know what I mean? So you know, I'm not allowing that distraction for a start. Mm-hmm. And really, at the end of the day, you know, I, me mean my wife—you know—we're business partners as well. We've got the same. We we speak the same. We have long, in-depth conversations, which is amazing. And it's just about really the amount of time you spend worrying. You know, it's like—and yeah. and women, you know, not all women, but I know certainly my wife. You know, she's she panics about money and this, that, and the other, and she keeps saying. You know, all this time that we've been together and, you know, worrying about where's the next money going. And it, it, it's always all right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's always us. Why do we worry? Yeah. But that's just, that's just a natural, natural way. But it's really understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, you find that if you sat and wrote down all the things you're worrying about, you can't control them. So what's worth focusing on them? It's Definitely. just wasting your bandwidth. Yeah. You know, so really, you know, if it's a topic or something like that that you're constantly worried about, write down all the things that are causing your anxiety, cross off all the things that you can't control, focus on the one to two things that you can control, you know, and prioritise. But um, it's just switching off that inner dialogue. I actually missed, you know, I got distracted, I I usually do this, but when we talked about that change for me, when I heard that voice about it doesn't happen, you know, the suicidal thoughts and everything else, I really realised in that moment... That the more we focus on anything, the bigger it becomes. And for me, when I was in that really hateful stage, I hated everyone. Mm. I hated my environment. I hated my history. I have regretted my past massively, you know. So, as far back as the chimp, to the military, to my girlfriends, everything. But the worst of all, I hated myself. And I started thinking, well, how come I, I just keep, I hate it so much, but I keep getting more of it. I thought, well, I'm always looking at the opposite because there is always an opposite to everything. There's, mm-hmm. you, you know, you wouldn't feel good if there was bad. Mm-hmm. There's no bad and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I just thought in that moment, well, I seem to be doing this a lot and getting more of it. So what's the opposite of what I'm doing?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I started to think, okay, who do I want to be? What does that person look like? Okay, now I had that vision in my head of someone, you know, I had this vision in my head of this person. What does it feel like to be that person? Added emotion to that. And I allowed that become my dominant strain of thought. So mm-hmm. whenever I started hating myself and everything, I would focus on that. I started meditation and things like that. You know, I locked myself away for ha- in, a, in a house for three months to change the blueprint If it I was, which, which was absolutely, I wrote my second book on that called Battle Ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, that I actually came up with my own meditation. My own meditation was, you know, I used to walk downstairs you know, I had a few meditations and Vishen Makani was the six phase meditation, which was brilliant. Um, and I was new to it. I didn't even know if it worked, you know, but I was prepared to give anything to go because I just, I couldn't stand who I was. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stand who I was. So, um, I had this this meditation and I would visualize going down the staircase, you know, getting into it get through my breathing and everything. And I would open the door and I would meet me, but I'd meet me in six months. Do you know what I mean? And I would yeah. look at me and I'd be like, I could see I had the expensive watch. He looked like he'd been working out. Mm-hmm. He looked good. His skin looked good. His eyes looked clear. And I would talk to that person, you know, and I would just, and I used to do that every day. You know, and I came up with that. And then, so I made that my dominant thought, because I just thought the more we focus on anything, the bigger it becomes. Yeah. The more you focus on what you hate, stand by, you get more.
0: 100%. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, and it's just, people can't understand, you know, they sit there and go, I hate my job. I really wish I had a new job. If you've got that attitude, you are going to keep, even if you move from that job, you'll, you'll, you'll have the same feelings in the next job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so anyway, I wanted to address that because I've not actually answered that question because I got distracted a bit.
0: <laughs> oh, well, it's a good answer, yeah. definitely. So when talking about personal leadership, how we started this, this mm. podcast, um, you seem very open-minded. Uh, you uh, take accountability for your own character, for your own mistakes, quote-unquote, and mm. um, at taking control and that visualizing, visualizing what you also uh, do very often. Do you do you still do that very often? Yeah, I think we all do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a lot of some people
1: say, "Oh, have you seen that film, the movie, The Secret?" And I go, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, do you believe in the power of uh, a law of ret- law of attraction? Mm-hmm. Like. It's working for everyone. Yeah. yeah. It's not just like, oh, some people do and some people don't. It's working for everyone. Exactly. So you become what you think about, you know, and that's, that is absolute fact. I mean, you know, I'm just starting to get onto the whole epigenetics, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, which is amazing. It's now, you know, this is, this study has been around since back in the 70s. You know this information, but mm-hmm. they don't yeah. want us to know this, do they? It's crazy. Isn't it? And this is the thing. It's like you know, like I'm hearing stuff like, and this is through like uh, Dr. Bruce Lytton, mm-hmm. Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. You know, it's like people believe that genes cause cancer. They don't. They don't cause cancer. That's it's a not li- inside, right? he yeah, said. And and really, is the fact "epi" means above. Mm-hmm. It's above the gene. So basically, this means that, you know, we've got this in our head that we are our genes, you know, of our family history and everything else. You know, if, you know, you go see a doctor, have you got any, um, have you got any history of cancer in your family, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And you imagine that fear and people think that, you know, if all oh, my auntie died of cancer. I'm going to die of cancer. It's cancer, yeah. cancer, 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 cancer. Then, then they get cancer. Yeah. And they think it's because of genetic reasons. Yeah. And it's not because of genetic reasons. It's because your environment, you have signaled the gene yeah. through your thoughts. And, you know, again, when it comes to epigenetics, it's like, and I'm, I'm by no means any expert, but there's some things that stand out to me massively on this. It's, it's such a, an amazing study that, when you come up with a hold of vision in your head, your brain produces complementary chemistry, and and base it into your blood, which then creates the genes. Then the genes create the proteins. I mean, have we ever been taught that? Insane, <laughs> have we, right? Have we been taught that? We've been taught the opposite of that. Yeah.
0: You know have your, I mean? DNA, and your
1: DNA and this that, and the other and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think it was something like uh, breast cancer was like only 50% oh, fifty 50% of the women with the gene breast cancer gene. I don't know the end of that story, so we're not <laughs> going to include that, but no, no. there was something about breast cancer and it was nothing to do with the fact that it was genetic. So.
0: It, it is insane. What is the saying? Uh, DNA is the gun and yeah. epigenetics fire the gun? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sounds right to me. Yeah, well, yeah. especially yeah, yeah. <laughs> with your history. <laughs> well, we shouldn't fire the gun. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, having that insight um, g- gives us even more power. Yeah. So it, I think that's definitely mm. an
1: insight that should be shared more I often. it's 50% of the women with the breast cancer gene didn't get cancer. Yeah. That was, and that was, it. it was, you know, and all these things, all these factual things. And that's why, you know, I think it's so important that we start to look and reflect and start to educate ourselves. Yeah. You know, we need to unlearn what we've been taught. Mm-hmm. We need to deprogram and yeah. learn a new program. Yeah. And I think a lot of time, you know, we're, we're encouraged to scroll on our phones. We're encouraged to listen to the radio. We're in our cars when we, you know, ev- there's always something to, to, to distract us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The last thing that people want us to do is start, you know, sitting with ourselves in a moment and analyzing our own thoughts. Definitely. You know what I mean? But that awareness of your thoughts, you know,
0: thinking about the things you think about is a massive step. 100%. I think that's the the most important step to take. Yeah. Um, But when you, uh, what you say about reprogramming, Mm. there has to be a moment before you start realizing that you have to Reprogram mm-hmm. yourself, right? Because yeah. when I talk to people who are not into, let's say, biohacking, but mm. just taking care of their own yeah. own health, um, they are uh, they have the opinion that this is just because my family has it, yeah, or my family is poor, so no, you cannot yeah. make that m- amount of money, mm. or you cannot reach that amount of success, yeah. And I find it so interesting that you took control of of mm. that paradigm. Yeah. And you switched it. Mm. And you went to a different path than than you were given at birth.
1: Well, let me tell you what happened to me. If I can do this in the in a short space of time, because I had something that happened to me mm-hmm. that really I almost I, I laugh at myself, right? I I, sit, I, mm-hmm. I I in my head I have this vision of the universe. There's a little control center up there and mm-hmm. there's there's people up there yeah. controlling us and like mm-hmm. And I always think, like, uh, they, they're up there getting frustrated with me and saying, oh, we need to, we need to give him a lesson so he, gets, he understands how this all works. And I was in Iraq, um, and I went back as a contractor. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I was working for ABC News, and um, it was my job to protect the, the news crews out of the six-man team and everything yeah. else. And one day I had to go and collect 12 uh, new members of staff because uh, they were having a turnaround. Mm-hmm. So I had to basically get a team together to go from Baghdad to Jordan to go and do the pickup. Now it was around the time when the Americans had sort of moved in um, and liberated or is it invaded? <laughs> they don't know the difference. <laughs> depends on who tells the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it depends on who's the, who's the journalist. Um but basically, they, you know, so it was, it was kind of the the statue came down in Firdos Square of St. Hussein and it was like this, this misconception that everything was going to be safe and well. Yeah. We knew, is you know, we're former special forces guys on the ground, knew that the drums were beating a different sound. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew it was the calm before the storm, and um, we knew that they were looking to downsize the team because we were expensive. And the thing is, with security people, they you don't they pay you for nothing to happen mm. you know what I mean it's like yeah. it's quite an odd yeah. you know it's but but your value is only appreciated when you're tested mm-hmm. you know when um, so really they they were looking to offload us and I was like thinking you know not just because I was earning decent money for once mm. but I knew there'd be consequences so I wanted to be on that team they only said we could take two people looking after 12. That is the wrong ratio big time. You know, it Imagine. should be at least the other way around. But you're not going to argue when the cash is being paid and everything else. Um, so I ended up going because I wanted to look the new guy coming in, look him in the eye and tell him he was making a mistake. And uh, anyway, so I put myself down for the job, took one other. And um, that day going to pick him up, I was like thinking, what the word, what am I going to say to him? How can I convince him, especially when there's, when there's money in the mix as well, you know, it's like people just think, oh, you just want, you know, you're just doing this for the money, you know, it's just, it's rubbish about anything else. But so I'm thinking, what are those words? And I couldn't think of what the words were. Please is not going to work. <laughs> so me being creative, and I know I'm creative because I've done psychometric reports that suggest I'm very creative anyway, but I started thinking in, we all think in pictures, but I started thinking in scenarios, you know, and I'm driving down the road and, um, I'm thinking the next day when we're going past this very sort of hostile area called yeah. Ramadi and Fallujah, We're coming back down here tomorrow, and I came up with this whole visualization in my head about what was going to happen the next day on this road. And I came up with this, we're gonna get attacked. And I was loving it, you know what I mean? I came up with this, I could and I could honestly, I was I put myself in that moment like it was happening. I could smell the cordite from the bullets. I could hear the bangs. I could taste the air. I could taste it in my spit. You know, everything, the time, everything. I, you know, I played it all out how we would get attacked. You know, when we're coming back the other way, attacked at speed in the vehicles, all this and that, you know, and I was thinking, God, oh, that'll happen. And then we'll get back to Baghdad. There'll be a big hero's welcome as we go through the compound. There'll be champagne drank. And every, When I was drinking the champagne, I was, I was feeling the bubbles. You know, I was there, I was putting myself right there, you know, I was shaking the hands. I could feel the skin of someone else. And, um, and then we would sign the contract for another day and everything would be fine. You know, we save the day and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I was doing that and I had a long time to do it because I had 12 hours in the car. Anyway, cut a long story short, the next day on the way back, that attack happened. The very exact attack happened. And as it's going down and the guns firing and the smell of the cordite and the fact we're actually in the very location that I had predicted. It was exactly the same. It was deja vu. It was the second time I'd done it. The second time I'd done it.
0: Did that help you in that moment? No. It freaked me
1: out. Oh, really? It freaked me out big time. Yeah, Yeah, because it was like,
0: you know, that thing happened.
1: And it was a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. you know it's like the, the day before i was like, oh that'd be great when it actually happened it was the first time i'd actually been in an attack mm-hmm. where I, I wasn't surrounded by special forces guys you know i wasn't surrounded by big um you know support elements mm-hmm. in the sky and it was horrible it was horrible but as i'm driving away from that after it happened you know i'm just like freaking out because i'm thinking my god this i can't believe that has just happened it's just like you know, and then, so I kind of calmed down. We might, you know, and then the the wind is coming through the window at 130 Ks now, because we blasted the windows out. Um, And then, um, and then just to make it worse, we got back to the compound and there was the hero's welcome.
0: Pull, wow, pulled up the
1: car. And as I looked up, I got out of the car. I can remember opening the door and I heard all this like change hitting a hard marble floor. Mm-hmm. And it was the bullets, all the empty shell cases and the glass falling on the floor. And as I, got out of the car, looked up a glass of champagne.
0: Just like you imagined. Just
1: like I imagined. And I got the champagne, I got the glass,
0: I felt the bubbles.
2: <laughs>
1: and then we got taken into the office where we signed the contract. That's insane. For another two years. And it was like, although nothing changed for me in that moment, because I, I then got extremely hooked Poor. on drinking and stuff like that. And it, it, I didn't actually use that then. It just, it, it triggered something. And I started to think, maybe, Maybe and that just, that's so, you know, high emotional impact that happened that day. And that's sort of seed about the power of visualization, positive thought, um, manifestation, Mm -hmm. everything, you know, and that is something that then went into that when I was, um, suffering with mental health issues. When I was thinking about suicide, I drew from that experience Mm -hmm. to then create the template of who I wanted to be. Wow. So it was that thing in a wreck that happened that flipped me onto mm-hmm. this
0: this world. Exactly. Wow. I'm I'm glad you got attacked.
1: <laughs> so am I. But yeah. the thing is, I don't think about getting attacked anymore. Oh, I, no, I can imagine. <laughs> I think about good stuff, all yeah. happy stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it, it 100% works, you know. And I could tell people... You know, some people you will never change. They'll never, you know, they'll, they just think they're lumps of meat and gravy, eat, sleep, work, repeat, and that's it. Yeah. They don't understand the power of who we are, the potential of who we are. Um, and you know, I could tell people stuff the way they'd just laugh and go, you, Mm -hmm. you're full of shit. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, there's, there's things, you know, you know, when I come up about the TV show, Mm -hmm. that was a visualization. Yeah. That was a visualization. It wasn't a TV show. I have that. Uh, I'll, I'll, Tell you that, but the thing is, I came up with my head because I locked myself away for three months when I got back to the UK with the, with the idea I wanted to start this business breakpoint. I knew I needed to change who I was because broken people break people. So I needed to make sure I was of def- the most robust foundation there could be. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put myself into that house for three months. And every day I visualized about having this business that would basically take people from the corporate world, put them through like a, a mock SAS type selection where we could really get past the ego, really get to them as people Mm -hmm. to really get them to grow from the inside. Mm -hmm. So we had this kind of mock, you know, I thought about all these different scenarios about interrogation, putting them through like physical events and this and the other. I also had another visualization along with that, that I'd speak to companies. I'd be on a stage and I I did the same thing. You know, I, I actually visualized as if I was there. You know, when I was on stage, I could see the crowd. I could feel the shirt on my back. I could see, feel the expensive watch on my arm. I could feel the shoes on my feet. I could hear, taste, touch, smell, everything as if I was there. I did that every day in my meditation. And then, three months later, when I absolutely just thought this stuff is, maybe that thing in Iraq was just a load of coincidence. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a coincidence. Um, and I shouted at the top of my voice. It was like, just give me something. I wanted something to happen. Nothing was happening. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. But then two days later, the phone rang. And that was my friend who was on the TV show with me. He said, hey, you know that idea you've got for that business? Mm -hmm. Would you do it on TV? Wow. Now, (laughs) you try telling me that visualization doesn't work. That's quite a break point. That's that's quite a break point. You know what I mean? And then what am I doing now? You know, that TV show's now been going for a long time, well, since 2015. Mm -hmm. I am constantly, like, leading up to being here today. I've done three talks this week to corporate organizations. Everything I've visualized in that house is happening in my daily life. Wow. So for anyone to say that you know what a lot of people think about all the negative stuff that could happen and that's how we why we're always looking for what could go wrong mm-hmm. and they're constantly thinking about negative stuff and what if and, and all this fear and everything else and then they're the ones that sit there every year and go and i can't believe this has happened to me mm-hmm. you know i'm no different than the last year da-da-da-da-da. yeah you know they think in the negative thoughts and then they see someone like me say well it's, it's our lives our lives are a product of our
0: imagination they just yeah, because, you're doing it. Yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> just in the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that is very, really valuable indeed. Um, mm. but it feels a, a bit um, people want more tangible mm. uh proof. But yeah, like you said, you're yeah. doing it
1: right now. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it, it, as well with this, and this is why it's important for me. You know, the stuff. This is why I've looked, at, I've started taking an interest in epigenetics and everything else because. I believe that you've got to be able to, and this is why I like Bruce Lipton, this is why I like Joe Dispenza, because they back the science with with they back the spirituality with science. Yeah, you know what I mean. And this is this is how came up with this thing because I was in the SBS. I'm like, science backed spirituality. It's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, but I really think that even this, I want to be able to speak on such a level to people. Um, that I can then tell them, well, this is the science. You know, it's like, you know, I was listening to something last week and there's the constructive interference, which is a law in science. You know, it's a scientific law. Mm-hmm. And that means when two wavelengths of equal um of equal bandwidth yeah. are together, mm-hmm. they double yeah. in strength. Mm-hmm. And then, but then also telling people that we are energy and we admit frequency, you know, that's, a, that's, that's even too much for people to understand.
0: Well, I think that's where it doing. has to yeah. start.
1: Yeah. That's where it has to start. Do you realize that we are energetic, we are producing energy? And, uh, I think that's really where the conversation has to start. And back in that with science, because, um, once you understand that happens and we are, everything in this world is vibrating. Mm-hmm. everything you know it's like some structures though are, uh, like a hard structure is vibrating at a stable rate and that's why it's hard mm-hmm. and you know as our vibration fluctuates and that then gives off a frequency and that frequency carries information you know what our phones mm-hmm. people understand their phone if people know their phone their operating system more yeah. than they know their own operating system
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely
1: and it's like I, you know I, this, sometimes to try, to try and explain that i'm just like do you understand that when you like make a phone call on this, it taps into a frequency that then meets the. There's so many frequencies out there, but then it will tap into the very one that you want to connect with and you can speak to someone all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's great, isn't it? Well, we're no different. No.
2: It's just. <laughs> yeah.
1: it does what no, no, yeah, No, <laughs> you're kidding. Me. We're no different. They're, that technology, we yeah. got that organically. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And this is why a lot of it. And then you say to people, you know, it's like, I do this all the time. I actually make a point doing it now. It's like, I'll sit there and think about my mum. You know what I mean? I can, not all the time, but then she'll either call me or I'll make a phone call and she'll be like, oh, I was just about to call you. I was just thinking of you. Yeah, Yeah. I was just thinking of you. And I'm like, that, that is that, that, that that but that is even too bigger, um, yeah hurdle for some people to get mm-hmm. across they just don't understand you know and and you can't blame them because you know that we haven't been educated the right way we've been programmed to not believe of our own true potential and power and everything else
0: i agree mm-hmm. i definitely agree and what i find interesting in how you uh, approach how i call it personal leadership i don't know how you call it but taking control of your life mm. um I'm sure that you heard of the term masculinity, femininity mm. when you did ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you use those kind of words uh, mm. or, or you uh, do you? No. No. Not not really. No. Well, in in my ceremony, I I did. Um, mm. I followed. Where did you go? E- here in the Netherlands. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in the south of the Netherlands. Yeah. Was it a good good place? I wouldn't recommend it, no, I was not really in a safe place, safe place, yeah
1: right, yeah, you've got to make sure that yeah um, definitely yeah
0: i but i didn't I didn't know no, because I thought, okay, I will do this on my own, yeah, but you have to be carried a little, mm. yeah when, of when course you you've got well, you've got to because
1: at the end of the day, you have to surrender exactly and that is that then really leaves you open to yeah being extremely vulnerable and you've got exactly. a safe place for that
0: yeah definitely that, that is definitely something i overlooked mm. but um in in those spiritual realms they they sometimes talk about masculinity and femininity and i'm sure there are other terms for it as well but no no
1: i i, I know that yeah, yeah 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 um i mean they did exactly that is you know and they ayahuasca it's the mother yeah which which is feminine exactly yeah the feminine
0: so um what i find interesting in observing you Mm. of course in the preparation of this conversation is the military is is seen as Mm. very masculine Mm. like discipline hardship um rational thinking and what i find interesting in in for me true leadership is also being able to surrender at times to your mm. life, to yeah. emotions, to, um. But I think that is a very overlooked approach. Mm. Like you said before, I, I'm happy to admit some kind of emotions or yeah. anxieties. Um, and how could we, um, enforce mm. more of that softer side? Yeah, to enforce. The the stronger sides, I think. I think it goes hand in hand.
1: Yeah, I I think this again comes down to our miss. You know what they they talk about toxic masculinity, Uh right? I believe that the the problem with or what causes toxic toxic masculinity is the lack of masculinity Mm -hmm. and the miss uh, education around it. Mm -hmm. So people are doing what they think is the perception of being a man
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they've got it all wrong. So they think it's all being hard and being in macho and everything else, be able to fight toe to toe with someone else. And don't get me wrong. There's certain instances where you want you, that's a useful skill to have. Valuable, yeah. But at the end of the day, I think, yeah, I think a lot of it is the fact and I, I think about, you know, various things, but this is one for me. I, th- I feel, and you can see this happening a lot in, in our society division. You know, there's been such a difference placed on that is a man and that is a woman and mm-hmm. a man should do this and a woman does this, you know. And I think really those principles of what they state each gender should be mm-hmm. have been misguided from the start anyway. At the end of the day, you know, and then it's also not appreciating what a man and what a woman gives to this universe. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, the women are givers of life, you know, and there's, there's nothing more powerful than that. You know, what I mean, they obviously can't do it without us. So it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's an equal relationship, but mm-hmm. they are the givers of life. Mm-hmm. And I think really at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to, I feel that there is a role for a man and that is more so the protection, the provision, um, for, for the family and for the, for the feminine, for the female. And, and that the female is there to then provide, you know, through giving life. Mm -hmm. Um, but look how it's been contaminated. Look how that's been contaminated. I mean, the whole family, um, value and everything has just been taken away. You know, the values of a man and woman, what they represent. And I believe this as well is why a lot of, there are a lot of mental health issues with men. Because you're stripping away their purpose. They don't know where they sit anymore. Mm -hmm. They can't, you know, there's nothing more purposeful than providing a safe environment for a woman and your family. There's nothing more powerful as a purpose than that, regardless of what year we're in. It doesn't doesn't matter how fast technology is flying past. Those values create more purpose than anything. When you strip those away from any man, they're going to start, they will suffer. And that's what's happening now, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and all this uh, and and I'm all for women, you know, if they want to go out and have careers and everything else, but it's always been stuffed down people's throats that you know, create you know, women and the whole role our roles and responsibilities
0: have just been stripped away. Yeah. And, you know, I can re- diluted and yeah. distorted. No, I agree one hundred percent. Um the times where I felt the most bad was the times where I um went away from my purpose. Yeah. When I lost track. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I fell off in depression or yeah. a dark place, uh, mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, but yeah, I, I find it very interesting that you, especially with the traumatic events you suffered mm-hmm. from, that you were willing and, and you had the guts to heal those those softer sides as well. Mm. I because, have to say
1: though, listen, I did, I did it the wrong way. You did? Uh, yeah, I did it the wrong way. And uh, the reason I say that, I wouldn't say it's the wrong way because it worked for me. Mm -hmm. So I did, I did my path. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I'm there to inspire and help other people. And I would not suggest people do it the way I did it. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because I came from a very alpha male world Mm -hmm. where it's like, you can't show emotion. You can't, you know, and Mm -hmm. if you did just shut up, have a beer. Yeah. And it's gone to the next thing. So I came out with those same kind of, that same kind of mentality and ethos. And it was like, you know, I, I had a you know I was always the party boy with a smile and everything else and it was all you know that was my identity mm-hmm. but you know it's a very different story a lot of the time when the doors closed mm-hmm. you know and it's um and I look back now at the fact I was trying to be a man
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I see myself as so weak that to me was real weakness that I am putting on a brave face while there's a whole different story going on behind here. And I could have done something about it and could have got people to help. And I could have, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, because really when you're in that state and you truly get tested, you are not going to be a man. You're just putting on a show for, for the perception of others. And it's just, just the, you know, it's, I, I really think a man should be there to, as the, as an, alpha, you know, I'm, I'm big for the alpha, you know, we should protect, we should look after our family and everything else, but that doesn't mean that you don't show emotion. You know, that, that is just, that is just like wow. so backward,
0: isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. I find but I find it very powerful that you because you were mm. in the military, yeah. So big on the other side. Yeah. That you were willing to go on the other side as well. Mm. Um I always said I was a bit dif-
2: a bit different. <laughs> They'd <laughs> still definitely. say it. They'd
1: still say it. <laughs>
2: so, most um, definitely.
0: Well, what I experienced after ayahuasca. Yeah. Uh for the people that didn't uh, experience ayahuasca. Indeed, it is like the, the mother energy. Mm. So, but it enhanced some, at least for me, a little bit of more of the feminine side in me, the, the, like two, three, mm. four weeks after yeah. the ceremony. And I was like, is, what is happening to me? Mm. You know, oversharing emotions and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But after that, mm. closed up a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, is, is it diminishing the effect of the ayahuasca, but I think um, mm. it's like eight months ago right now. Um, I feel like that oversharing had, had to happen mm. in a, a few yep. weeks after. And now it, it got more balanced again. Yeah. So I healed a little bit of the feminine side to carry more of the masculine side. Yeah, And I got way more done. Mm. I got more purposeful. Yeah. And... I think that is when I saw the true um, uh, purpose mm. of healing both sides. Yeah. One will carry the other. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, absolutely. And one will empower the other. Yeah, exactly. Vice versa. Yeah. I mean, it's no different than positive and negative, is it? Mm-hmm. You know, at the yeah. end, of it, it's the same principle. One on. I, I, and when, listen, when I went through that ayahuasca experience, um, like the last thing I ever thought was going to happen was what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because again, you know, talking about that trauma as a 10 year old boy, I just thought, well, that happened a long time ago. That's not, you know, mm-hmm. that's not relevant. And as you know, ayahuasca goes to where it's needed, not where you decide. It's so scary. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I think if I, if I want to promote my friends to do that, I have to not tell them that bit. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely- no, it goes wherever you want it. Just take it. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. If you, Yeah. Wherever you direct it, it will sort out. Don't you worry. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but for me, it was like, you know, and I can remember when I, you know, obviously I started seeing all the geometry and everything and then on this different plane and then all these different doors that I could have gone down, you know, which are obviously all experiences. And, and there was one door that was kind of a jar. It was like I was being pulled to go down this. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that corridor, I could see the chimp. Oh, sorry. I couldn't see the chimp. I could see the boy. Oh, really? Yeah. See me 10 years old. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. And it's like, but I had to, but you know, surrender, surrender, Mm -hmm. surrender. Mm -hmm. I finally got there and I I became the boy, you know, and it's like, and I was there and I was petrified because I knew what was going to happen. Whenever I remembered that attack, it was silent. There's no emotion. At that moment. Yeah. Well, whenever, whenever I've recalled it in my head, it's never had any emotion.
0: Oh, really? No. Because it was locked up, that emotion? because yeah, it was locked up. Ah.
1: Because it was locked up. And, you know, I never heard the voices or anything or the noise. And so I went down and I became the boy. And it's, you know, I was there and the chimp was in front of me and everything. You know, and as you know from ayahuasca, it is this is real. It's like, there's no, this isn't real. You can't sit there and go, well, this is not real. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. And, um you know, I saw the chimp and then I heard the roar, the roar that I've always heard, you know, I heard that roar again and I looked up and I saw the chimp, you know, and I thought, Oh my God, I'm going to get attacked. And Something really weird happened in that moment. Uh, I became the chimp.
0: No way. Yeah. So I
1: went straight into the chimp and then I was looking at me as the 10 year old boy, but I was the chimp and it was so realistic because it was a hot summer's day and I'd been laid down. The chimp had been laid down mm-hmm. up and, you know, resting underneath the truck. Mm-hmm. As I got up, I could feel the leaves falling from my fur. It was so realistic, you know, and I could feel the, all the hair and everything on me. And I was like in the Maloka, you know, as you know, it's the Maloka, and the, I was on a mattress. Yeah. And I was actually like my fists were in the floors, crouched backwards like a chimp, you know, and I was like roaring. And they would tell me the next day, yeah, Jesus Christ. Rice, you are. <laughs> and I went. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it was like this. I was, I was roaring. And then it was almost like this computer. Like when you see Terminator, yeah, I could see me, and it was going threat, threat, threat. You know, it's like I was getting ready to attack as the chimp. Like bizarre! I thought I'm going to attack me. Myself, yeah. But then I went back to the boy, and then all of a sudden I started thinking uh, compassion. This was it for me, compassion. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking that I stepped into this enclosure. Yeah, It didn't come looking for me. And that mother was doing what any mother would do. It would do anything to protect its young. And then straight away in that moment, I then started thinking about all the females in my life. And I started thinking about, My compassion for my wife, and I ask her all these demands to do this, that, and the other, and the business, and get angry with her. And I realized that regardless of what I ask her to do, and regardless of what she says, powered from my frontal cortex, deep within her subconscious, she will protect her son. Yeah. Far over anything that I'm going to ask her to do, or whatever. That is her priority. So like learning compassion for that chimp, which was incredible, then sp- spanned all across all of my life. And to 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 be more compassionate. You know, that was the message, be be more compassionate. Um, and it also the another thing in that moment, it took me out of being the victim. And this is what we do as humans, you know, it's like we ninety percent of people in this planet are playing the victim card. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, they're allowing, so if you're allowing anything from the outside world to can uh, affect your emotions, you are a victim.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, that's
1: fact, and that's what the majority of people do. Uh, and for the first time ever, it took me out of being a victim, it made me something bigger, a part of that scenario, not the focal point of it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: taught me compassion and everything. Then, what would happen the next night? I thought, well, that's it. That's all done. It's all finished. Great. Where am I going tonight? It's got to be better. <laughs> um, uh, and, and the next night I went back. I went back and it was like, it was almost like I was going down that corridor, like dragging my like, chalkboard with my nails. I, said, I don't want to go. I knew what was going to happen. Because mm-hmm. the night before I'd avoided the attack, I'd not gone through it. And I was like, Pff. wow. So the next night, and then I went back, went back into me mm-hmm. and the, the attack happened. And I went through that emotional attack. As yourself. As myself, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can, I was like, I'd never heard this, the noises and anything before. And I was underneath that chimp and I was screaming for my mum. It was, it was hideous. It was like, yeah, it, it was like, yeah, it it wasn't nice at all because I could hear, you know, I was screaming, I was screaming. And, um, as that chimp's attacking me, I was, I was so, and the emotions, I was just so you know, terrified so terrified. And then as that was happening, it was like, I heard a voice go surrender and everything stopped. And it was almost like, what would have happened if you hadn't retaliated? And then all of a sudden I lay down and I stopped retaliating. I lay there, had my eyes closed and I opened them. As I opened them, my wife's there. And the blue eyes are looking into mine. And I just said, I said, everything's going to be okay. Come with me. And I held a hand and I died. And I went into the spirit world Mm -hmm. and I was no longer with my wife. You know, I was no longer a physical body. I was spirit. And it was incredible. I was like, oh my, this is amazing. The sights, the sounds, the, the, the feeling was just incredible. And I wanted to stay. I didn't want to go back. And then all of a sudden, I heard a voice say, "People need you." And I came back, finally came back, came back into the physical body, and I can remember it was like really because I suddenly sprung up. Like this was halfway through the ceremony, but in my head, I thought it was all over, and I went straight to one of the one of the um, not the shaman, but one of the people, you know, mm-hmm. one of the supervisors. What yeah. do you call them? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. It's so one of the you know one of the people there. I was like, I've seen it. I've seen it. I know what it's all about. I've seen it. He's like, and I went back to my accommodation, but it was the worst thing I could do because I was still under. Yeah, and I then went back to my accommodation. I started drinking water, so I diluted all the ayahuasca. Oh, so it starts coming back on. But then I'm sat there in my room, and it was like I was like, got this pad out, and I'm like, <laughs> like writing stuff, all this stuff, and the one thing that really, um, I still, would, I still think about it to this day. I use it a lot. Pain screams the loudest when it's dying. Mm-hmm. And this is so true because this is what we need to really appreciate. When your life starts to change, and this can be the fact that you have started to think about something more positive. Let's again, go to a relationship for instance, because everyone can relate to that. You know, you've got a hostile relationship. It's just serving you no longer. You need to get out of it. You know, and how many people have been in that situation where you get into that crunch point, it's getting so angry, so everything, and you can just put a band on it and go, hey, tell you what, just give me a hug. But you can't do that. At the end of the day, pain screams the loudest when it's dying. You have to let it die. Let it die because it's the birth of something new. And let's focus on that. But this is, and this is why, again, that goes back to breakpoint. That is your breakpoint moment. But if you're forever going back, putting a Band-Aid on something because you want that to, you know, you can you can solve that right now. You can put because even even when you pain screens the loudest when it's dying and it's the birth of something new. There's still resistance. There's going to be a resistance for a while, but as long as you keep moving forward with that positive direction of where you want to be, it will. It, that resistance will become less and less, and then it's the new you. And that's great, and this is what we find so hard, don't we? embracing the, the short-term discomfort and that's the way that we are wired we're short we're wired to embrace the comfort and that leads to long-term pain you know and that can be our choices our jobs our relationships and it's the small things at the end of the day you know we are wired to go the path of least resistance and conserve energy and do not do things that i i look at it like this right i i think this is where we struggle there's no stronger driving force than that, than, than, a um, survival blueprint. Mm-hmm. So we've got that on one side, but then you've got the soul that wants to experience, wants to have all these amazing adventures and everything else. And that's where this conflict, you know, as far as the survival blueprint wants, uh, or, or as, as far as the survival blueprint is concerned, it would be happy if you sat in the corner and just procreated and ate food. Some yeah. people are doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, and that is the survival of the species. That's ongoing, blah, blah, blah. But then we've got this other side of us that wants to like, we want to get out there, we want to explore. But this is stronger. You know, survival is stronger and and procreation, you know, the continuing the species is stronger than its desire. And this is this is why it takes so much more on this side. Mm-hmm. To actually do stuff in life you know, and change things. And it, and it's a constant battle because you, this is the default program. You know, you, like I said, zero to seven, you've got that, you know, you've been programmed by your environment and everyone around you and this, that, and the other. But you come with a set program and that is your survival instinct. That is, that is, that's you before you even start thinking. Do you know what I mean? So that really is what we're fighting against. And that's where I believe there's that inner conflict. Because everyone knows it's like, you know, I, I tell everyone, I said, you know, what you've got to do, you sit there on the couch thinking like, have you heard of the couch to 5K? Do you, have mm, you no, I haven't. It's, it's a bit of a thing. It's a fitness thing where, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, let's get you from the couch to 5K and they, okay. there's a training program. Yeah, yeah. It's a big thing in the UK. Okay. Um, and I will say to people, I said, you know, if you sit there, you know, at the end of a hard day, you know, you should be going out training. Mm-hmm. um, But you're sat there with your, your packet of biscuits dunking in your tea, da, 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 and your brain is going, you've worked hard today. You know, don't go today, start tomorrow. If you, are li- if you listen to that, you listen to the program, the same will happen tomorrow, and the same will happen the next day. And this is why it's so important. When you do hear that, you contradict. And just by moving, taking action, because you can't outthink bad behaviors. You can't think a thought that's going to change your behaviors. You need to actually take action. You know what I mean? And again, this is where people get it wrong because they don't understand it takes you actually moving in a certain direction to change, mm-hmm. not just thinking. Well, I'll, you know, if I'm going to think myself out of this. It's not going to work.
0: No, that that's definitely not going to work. Yeah, you need experience. You need to mm. have action. Take action. Yeah,
1: exactly. take action. Otherwise, it's never. You know, I, I, you know, I talk a lot about goals because. You know, I ask corporate entities, I do a lot of corporate stuff, and I say, who in here has goals, has a a disciplined process, Mm -hmm. daily process that puts them on the track to their goals? Not many people ever put their hand up, Mm -hmm. say that's normal. And I said, but here's the thing, your subconscious mind is a goal-striving, goal-getting machine that stops at nothing till it gets what your dominant thoughts (coughs) focus on. Mm -hmm. So whether you're choosing them or not, you're driven towards goals. Yeah, That's just the way the mind is. Um, so this is why, you know, in that sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 thoughts people have a day, well, that's a lot of thoughts. You imagine with the dominant strain being negative, you've got to start thinking of the things that you, or the outcomes that you desire. Otherwise, you end up with a load of outcomes that really don't suit what you're looking for mm-hmm. whatsoever. And then when it comes to, I came up with this other thing, you know, the fact, why is it that we're so focused on? And I, I think it like, even listening to like Bruce Lipton and Jody Spencer, Joe Spencer touches on it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but they say, why is it all negative? And it's not just because people would prefer us to be negative. It's just the fact that you imagine where we came from, you know, you look as long back as time goes. You're never going to remember all the nice fruits you had. You're going to remember the bad berry that you had that made you ill and could have killed you. Mm -hmm. And that's where it comes from. You know, that's where that's, if you want to go that back that far, that's exactly the reason we're more dominantly negative than positive. Yeah. Because there's no benefit to thinking of all the good stuff when it comes to survival.
0: No, I think we have to deliberately Mm. think of, remind uh, ourselves of the good stuff. Yeah. And uh the good stuff in the past, in the mm. present, and yeah, so yeah. In yeah. Our future. And
1: it's a constant effort, you know. If yeah. you let the foot off the gas, yeah, you know, the the the, the negative comes back in. Definitely. And you never I, you know, I I still have negative stuff, but at least I look first of all I understand there's yin and yang, this mm-hmm. opposite negative of everything, yeah. and it's like I just you know, when I hear it now, I'm just like I, I appreciate that. I'm like, yeah, that's that's um that's your amazing humanness, but listen. You're not welcome now. I'm mean, going to think something positive. Exactly. But it's, I think at the end of the day, a lot of people just don't get, you need to be the thinker of your thoughts. You need to be the emotional observer. Otherwise, you become the victim of your emotions. You know, if you're just not thinking or anything and not being aware, you're just part of the program.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, that makes us just a blind mm. animal, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. And that's, that's
1: you know, like a, an animal hasn't got an analytical mind. They just do what they do. Yeah. And that's what we're becoming. Yeah. You know, if we allow it to happen, that's what we become.
0: Yeah. We should allow ourselves to expand. And to yeah. 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 back more and to visualize
1: more. Yeah. And people think they think, they think I am my thoughts. You're not your thoughts. You're the, you're the actions you take from your thoughts. Yes. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I think, I think there's a, there's an easy way for people to understand this. And that's certainly, you know my motivation to get out there and, and and try and explain it in such a way that you know even even the skeptics start to start to pay attention but it's a big old world you're never going to change everyone
0: no i think we have to find peace with that as well yeah. because um th- there's too much out there that is not working yeah. for the people we gonna yeah. work against everything right yeah yeah so you touched on discipline on your motivation on visualization visualization habits even the soft skills like i just called Mm. them i don't know if people want to call them like that what are your goals for Mm. if if you talk about visualization what are your goals for the next couple of months years
2: yeah well
1: it's been an interesting you know one thing which is a blessing and curse for me is the fact that i'm really creative and so is my wife Mm -hmm. you know so when we started this business in You know, it's like when I was in that house and then suddenly we got the opportunity for TV, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And I always thought, look, it's going to be a one-off. You need to make Hay While the Sun Shines now. Mm -hmm. Websites, this, that, and the other. Anyway, it kept on going and going and going. So, um, and this is quite a bit of a lesson because a lot of people relate to this, is the fact that, you know, when we were doing a business and then we think, as things were getting tough and I've got to admit, you know, I'm, I'm not... I don't think any of us are actually, but I'm not designed to sit in an office. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it came to like, you know, running a business is tough. It is hard work. And whenever it got sort of tough and it got a little bit low in excitement, we would just develop another company, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause that's exciting. Yeah. if it's something, you know, oh, this is exciting. So I ended up with about six companies. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, not all doing great, oh. but you know, and, and this was the problem, you know, yeah, they had all all these different things out of like supplement company, I had a fitness app, I had this, and the other, I had loads, and I just kept accumulating them. Oh, this is great. Look at me, I've got all these, you know, and it's like it got to the point that it's like you need to get back to where you started. You know, when I went into that house, I had one vision, one goal, one dream, and that was to start break point. You know, that breakpoint, that business to create a globally identified brand recognized for positive growth and development of others. Global's a big number. That was almost always my dream. And I always said, and basically what happened is as far as I'm concerned, I was in that house visualizing every day, thinking nothing's happening. And I believe that I did it so religiously and so much and so intensely. Mm. I was given such a prize. And that was a TV. That, again, was a blessing and a curse because that took me on a different angle. And before you know it, I'm starting to get distracted along the whole celebrity route doing TV shows and this, that, and the <laughs> other. Um, So anyway, what's done in the last seven years, we have now actually, you know, we had a big office, industrial unit, training rooms, this, that, and the other, so much kit and everything else, vehicle, loads of stuff. And then we've got to the point now where we've, I, I called it, downsized to capitalise. And that is basically shedding everything off, going back to our core um focus, which was to to offer what we do on a global scale. And really we, you know, when we bought that industrial unit, we then got forced into a more virtual space because we couldn't have any courses and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we turned one of the rooms, the training rooms, into a studio and I was doing back-to-back talks to to corporates. Mm-hmm. So that really pushed us. It was like the universe going, God, give him a sign. Tell him, <laughs> Just show him, give him something. Um, and it pushed us into that space. So basically um, it's got us to the point now we've now got an app. Which is all backed by AI. So all of my content, everything is is becomes the knowledge base of that app. And then I've got training programs and everything on there to really mentor people. You can't change people in an hour. You can't change them in a couple of days. First of all, they've got to want to change. Second, it takes constant and repeated behaviors to change. As you know, you know, like I said before, practice repeat. So the only way I can really do that, and I'm conscious of not, I don't want to do a course and just take the money and that, that's my job done. I, okay. want, I want to change people's lives. The only way we can do that and the only way I can scale up because the only problem, again, we having a face-to-face company is the fact that people want to see the person off the telly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can never scale up if that's the case. No. So the app is brilliant for us, but it's only for the corporates. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah, so that that is our big focus at the moment and really getting into some of the really big corporates. Construction's a big industry for us as well because there's a lot of suicides happening in there. Oh. Uh, male, it's male-dominated and there's a lot of suicides in there. So we're not sort of focusing on any, but that is certainly one of our um, go-to industries that we want to affect. So there's that. And then really, you know, it's like I'm climbing Everest next year. And I think it's really important for me that, there are so many people out there they do something great and then they just that becomes their benchmark mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i am not going to be a benchmark of the past it's like uh, the special forces is something i did a long time ago and i'm mm-hmm. really proud of it and it's great yeah but it's back there you know what i mean and i'm not i'm not, I'm not like sailing off the off the off the um off the whirlwind of that you know mm-hmm. at the end of like my talks and stuff i do i have only talk a little bit about the special forces, you know, so really it's about creating a story you'd love to be told. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I I think the answer to a lot of people's issues, especially when it comes to mental health is the fact that we always need to be looking for something that's bigger than us, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a, that's a dead end street. Well, it's not a dead end street. It's an open ended street. Yeah. Never going to, you're never going to get there, <laughs> exactly. which is great. You know what I mean? It's just like always keep on pushing, always looking for something bigger, but you know, and doing everything that inspires people, it, it inspires me, it motivates me. Uh, they're my personal challenges. But, you know, I just believe that if I'm going to push out content out there and say this, that, and the other, that I need to be the one that is
2: mm-hmm.
1: an ambassador of that.
0: Yeah. So, I think yeah. That's a beautiful mission. Mm, absolutely. Lots uh, to work on. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I think, um, I think as well, you know, we, we're coming into some hard times. I do believe it's going to get pretty tough. And um, and I think the more people can connect with themselves mm-hmm. um, and the less they are controlled by the outside world and external factors, I think that's a solution to it. You know, at the end of the day, another thing is, you know, and I have a lot of people that say, oh, your platform, you could have such a voice, you know, of, of you know, really objecting to a lot of the stuff that's going on. I'm like, if I was to sit there getting angry with everything that's going on in the world, what does that do? Yeah. Indeed. what does that to my personal energy it drains and as a collective what does that do so i can be a lot more powerful by inspiring other people
0: as okay. opposed to
1: complaining about everything that's going on and this that and the other and, and and this is where i think a lot of people are getting lost because they're so fixated on complaining about everything mm-hmm. and this that, and the other that it's just creating a very negative energy and a lot of it is, all you know, we're being pushed at the moment to really division. It's division. Yeah, Everything. And when we talked about the male and female, that's almost like, you know, we've been so separated, like yeah. severed. Yeah. That is a male. That is, uh, you're black, you're all this.
0: We're, we're, we're all humans. It's all division. Indeed. Yeah. You know,
1: and all this is, is, is really key. To, they, you know, for us to be squabbling and, you know, in this, uh, and be divided, that's exactly how you control a nation.
0: I believe so too. You know, what I mean,
1: a lot easier to control when people live in fear and they hate each other. Yeah. And they're addicted to alcohol.
0: Yeah. It definitely does not help our society. Yeah. No. I think we need uh, more people like you on the forefront, Ali. Um, Not in the army again, but no. um, empowering people, mm. making people stronger. And, uh, and people like you, Yorick,
1: doing things like this to to get the message out there.
0: Trying my best. Yeah. Trying my best. And
1: then the more of us we can create, the more, you know, and this is another thing. It's like the Biohacker Summit. And I see this in every walk, any anything, you know, like mountain, the, the, I see this in every walk of life, like mountaineering, for instance. Mm-hmm. And people, it's like you shouldn't, if you are a biohacker, share your knowledge mm-hmm. with everyone. Yeah. Don't hold on to it like it's a status of no, exactly. greatness. You know, I I've I've got this, I know all about it. I'm not sharing it with you. And this will be my message tomorrow. Is, you know, this is share with as many people as possible. Share your knowledge. Start to empower everyone you can around you. Yeah. But you know, it's like the mountaineering world is as well, you know, they're, they're so sort of you know, they're so clicky. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, we've got to stop all that, stop all the clickiness, invite everyone in, get them the You can climb a mountain if you want in life. You know what I mean? You don't need to be a professional to climb a mountain. You've no, got to you, start on a small one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sometimes it's that easy, right? Yeah. 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 But,
1: the, you know, I just think if we can combat that division, yeah, you know, we, we, that we will get to a good place.
0: Take control of yourself mm. and get together.
1: Yeah, get together.
2: Yeah, and break
1: down these divides. I actually saw Jim Carrey. You know, on the it was quite interesting because it was leading into this, and he was like doing one of his interviews. You mm-hmm. it, it was only a club, a few minutes, and he was mm-hmm. just saying, "Why am I an American? What makes me an American?" Yeah, we're told who we are, where we live, what we do, and ter- you know, and all this that, and the other. He's got such a good point. Yeah, it is. A you good- know, everything is yeah. like, and this, this is where all walls stem from. Isn't it? You know, people territorial and and everything else it's like really makes religion yeah Um, i don't oh religion there's over three thousand religions
0: that's what i'm saying i'm i'm i do not watch the news but i cannot Mm. um hide from the war of course in israel yeah and um people ask me what do you think of it Mm. i completely excluded myself from the discussion yeah because it is only no it's I don't even know all the names of the people who are Mm. fighting there. No. Because they're like, no, it's Israel. No, it's uh, the Mm. Palestines. It's Hamas. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not there. I I just, also on top of that,
1: Yorick, I just don't trust the source of information. Exactly.
0: I had the podcast like three days ago and they Mm. were like, uh, they killed babies. And the people in in my conversation were like, where is the footage?
2: Yeah.
1: This is the thing, right? Which which I, now you've mentioned it, I am going to mention it because this was apparently some reporter that heard on the grapevine that someone had said this, and then before you know it, the media's jumped all over that. I mean, can you imagine? Try and think of a worse thing mm-hmm. to to really uh, stimulate hatred. They're, they're beheading babies. I mean, can you? Is there anything worse you could actually no. do? But there is no footage of it. Exactly. And then apparently, I saw yesterday, the footage of some burnt babies is an AI-generated picture oh, really? of a dog. Oh, no. Yeah, in the same blanket, but it's AI-generated. So, you know, and listen, you know, you can sit there, so you're a conspiracy theorist. I was in a war zone as a civilian, okay, not in the military, and I was on the ground, stuff was happening, and then I was going home and seeing what the papers were were reporting, mm. and it was lies exactly lies so yeah. sorry you know and i just, you know, you've just got to make sure that you have a valid form of mm-hmm. of you know of uh, a source of information yeah, if you haven't see. got that in the, in the absence of that
0: please oh, exactly. don't. Getting together, let that be the bottom line of this story. Yeah,
1: getting together. Getting together. Sharing and educating and empowering. And I think another thing on top of that is the fact that, you know what, if someone wants to tell me that Elvis is still alive, good for you. If you believe that and that's your view and opinion, I'm happy for you. You know what I mean? But don't push it on me. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's fine. Don't, and I won't, I'll do the same with you. You know what I mean? This is my opinion. What do you think to that? And that is what makes a a really strong and evolving society Mm -hmm. because we evolve from different ideas and different views and opinions. And, you know, we're living in a world now where you've got to believe this. And if you don't believe this, I'm going to, I'm going to really be confrontational with you. Yes.
0: Just appreciate if
1: someone's got an opinion and they feel that they've got Justification for what they're thinking. Allow them to to voice that opinion.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, if it's not hurting other people, no, so be it.
0: Again, if we want to, I want always want to create value for the listener, of course. And um, in that particular uh, podcast, I mentioned it was my um. Dutch. I also have a Dutch podcast. Yeah. Um, people, I, I can imagine people thinking your podcast is about personal leadership. Why are you mm. talking about conspiracies? Yeah, But um, taking control of, if you want to look at the news, taking control of how you want to perceive that news and think critically is also a form of personal leadership. Yeah. It's
1: self-leadership. This is where it starts. And this is
0: why I say, you know, I do a
1: lot of leadership stuff. And I always say to them, leadership starts within. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because... If, if not, and if you're being led by everything that's being shown to you, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not a leader. You're, yeah. you're being led. Yeah. You're being, yeah. you know, it's like you've got a ball ring around the nose and you're being pulled. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's the, and like we said at the very start of this podcast, mm-hmm. it's the ability to make your own choices. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that is leadership. It's like, you know, I choose to believe that I'm not so happy about that. You know, there's something not right about that. I mean, the whole thing about Hamas, I mean, you know about that thing that was in it? I just look as a military special forces former operator, right? And I think it's a hold on. Israel got this thing right called the Iron Dome. Have you heard about this?
0: I, yeah, somewhere, yeah. It's
1: a missile system that basically it's like, yeah. stop. So, okay. So knowing the Israelis are probably one of the most highly technically armed mm-hmm. Nations out there, especially when it comes to CCTV and everything like that. So we're going to parachute in in daylight. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? <laughs> yeah. Into an open air rave and take hostages. I mean, seems unlikely. I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine going for a set of orders. <laughs> right, one well, against the, the, one of the most highly technical enemies out there. We're going to get in a plane and we're going yes. to fly over there. We're going to jump out skydive into an open air rave and i'm like something's not right
0: no
2: something's no.
1: not right it just you know something and whether it, it, it you know i'm not saying i'm just saying something's not right you know I just, it, exactly. it
0: takes someone you know i just think really yeah yeah me too me too so that's why i stay away from mm. the discussion even um, at least publicly yeah um yeah so I think we covered a lot of ways yeah. we can take ownership of ourselves. Maybe we should uh, call the Biohacker Summit a Leadership Summit or something Yeah, like Yeah, but
1: well, it is, isn't it? It's yeah. leadership itself, and that, yeah. is, that
0: is where it all starts. That's how I always try to translate, because biohacking is mm. uh, yeah far-fetched for a lot of people. Yeah. So it's just taking control of yourself. I yeah. think we covered that in mm. a beautiful way, this conversation. Yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, it was. It was. Mm. It It was also very... Nice to share an ayahuasca story. Yeah, because yeah no, is, absolutely. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely uh, very special. Are you going to go back? Yeah. Ayahuasca? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not for any
1: time soon. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's something I think about a lot. And it's, it's actually, um, I'm speaking to some friends that have a it's a private retreat out in Portugal.
0: Really? Oh, so that's a good place.
1: Looking to, we're looking to do a private. Oh, really? Yeah, you should, you should look to come. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm definitely. I think it's I, they've got psilocybin in there. And, uh, oh, perfect. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I think I think that would be because, um, yeah, this there's, there's some people I would like to to take to experience that, and um, you know, this you, you haven't got the excuse of having to fly or you
0: know all the right. way to Peru or no, exactly, yeah, or, that know, or Costa Rica boundary. or something like
1: that. So yeah. you know, it's it's
0: accessible. Portugal is very nice. Yeah, is there? After all the messages we already covered, um one takeaway you'd like to um share with somebody who is at their breakpoint. Mm.
1: I think the bottom line is is the fact that when it's really dark and you just feel there's no way out, you just got to understand that there always is. And like I said at the start of this podcast, it's like regardless of your situation, you always have a choice. And Sometimes I used to say, and there's a lot of talk about, all you need is belief. Uh, with belief you can do anything, but sometimes belief isn't enough because you haven't got it. And Like for me, when I started, you know, Special Forces Selection, I didn't believe that I could do that. But what I did have is courage, and courage is the ability to throw yourself into any situation without having a guaranteed outcome. So it's really just being able to put that step forward that counts you don't have to believe but just take action on something you want to
0: change and it will happen i think that's a beautiful message to wrap it up yeah i want to thank you for your time ollie
1: yeah thank you buddy thank you